everyone. Welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. This is Shelby, your host, and you're listening to episode 21. And today I am interviewing Morgan Rackley. She's the owner of Lash Designery in Atlanta, Georgia. And we're going to be talking about her story, of course, owning a business and maybe some flaws within our industry, and then also where she thinks the industry is headed. So without further ado, here is Morgan. Okay, Morgan, so tell the listeners how you first got into lashing. Okay, so I got into lashing because at first I was a front desk receptionist. And so I worked at a couple of different like luxury day spas in the area. And I loved the spa industry, but I realized I would prefer to do the service rather than like, you know, working front desk. And so I knew I didn't necessarily want to do like facials or skincare at the time. So I kind of got into makeup artistry. I was a makeup artist assistant for a celebrity makeup artist here in Atlanta. um, And she offered eyelash extensions. And uh, Mm -hmm. she was kind of like, you know what? Eyelashes is about to be popping. You know, you should really take a training. And this is seven years ago. So it wasn't nearly as many people, you know, doing Mm -hmm. lashes in Atlanta as, you know, it is now. Mm Mm-hmm. So she's like, you know, you should really do this. I think you would be good at it. And I'm like, no, nah, not my thing. I don't think I can do that. I, you know, I, don't, I didn't want to sit there for that long and do the service. <laughs> and yeah. she was like, no, go ahead and just like get the service, try it. And so I allowed her to do my lashes. I remember sitting up off the bed when she was done with my lashes and I looked in the mirror and I swear it was a life-changing moment, like mm-hmm. massive life change. Like I just got but in a good way, the best way possible. I just remember feeling like I look totally different, but indifferent being better, you know, but not Mm -hmm. too made up and it looked natural. I couldn't see a line of demarcation. My lashes didn't hurt, you know, I mean, she did the service correctly. So my mind was blown. And uh, I think I signed up for a class the next day. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I signed up with Minky's International. That was my very first classic class. Okay, cool. So you said that this was like seven years ago and there wasn't a lot of artists at that time. Do you feel like Atlanta is really saturated right now? I do feel like Atlanta has a lot of lash artists. Now, as mm-hmm. far as being saturated with quality, that's two different things, you know? So, yeah. mm-hmm. And that's any industry. It's not necessarily just lashes. It can be hair, it can be nails spray tanning. Mm-hmm. It could be anything. And Atlanta's kind of booming right now for the film industry that's here. And so we do have a lot of lash artists, a, a ton actually. Mm-hmm. But as far as quality, we, we really are still kind of lacking in that department. And I just think that's due to education or lack thereof, like quality mm-hmm. education or the willingness to pay for quality education. Mm-hmm. But I do know I definitely do know some great quality lash artists in Atlanta. You know, we do have that, but we do have a, also an influx of not so great quality lashes. And so I don't think we're saturated. I do think there's still mm-hmm. room. Like if you're a new lash artist and you're looking to do great quality work with integrity and, you know, a great business sense and good customer service, you can still flourish, you know, if that's yeah. the route that you're going. If you kind of just like, oh, I want to make a quick buck or constantly mm-hmm. do specials and whatnot. Like if that's, if that's the goal, I think it would be a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. 
So I want to get back to that topic because I have quite a few questions I can ask about that. But first, I do want to talk about your business. So the Lash Designery, I want to say I can remember, I feel like you rebranded. Maybe it was a year or two ago. Walk me through all of that. Okay. So um, my business name used to be Genie Wink. And I think my slogan was something along the line of like giving you the lashes you were wishing for. Like I was a genie. Oh, that's like cute. <laughs> Yeah, Jeannie, and mm-hmm. it was cute, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I wanted a name that sounded, that had a lot more presence. Like when you said it out loud, it has a lot more presence. It stands out from all of the other, you know, kind of like names that were, you know, out at the time. And, and so, yes, I, I decided to change the name. I changed the name maybe three years ago, but I kind of kept okay. the color scheme. Mm-hmm. And then about a year ago, I changed my color scheme, my logo and everything and, and I'm so extremely happy with what it is now mm-hmm. but for the longest I was just, I just wasn't happy with it I was trying to I was listening to too many people you know about what my brand should yeah. be um instead of what I felt my brand should be and so now I feel like this this is a depiction of who I am and how I run my business I have it that way now but uh beforehand yes I did have Jeannie Wink and then a whole different color scheme and uh, we changed it not too long ago I feel like the lash designery, it's almost like a call out to those clients that actually can appreciate the art behind lashing and not just want like a super crazy looking set of lashes, if you will. Yeah. So I think that was a smart move. Thank you so much. And that was the purpose. Yeah. Our, our goal is to design a lash set specifically for you. And so even mm-hmm. on our website and, you know, on our Instagram you won't really see too many clients that look exactly the same. And that is on purpose. You know, um, Mm -hmm. we really wanted our clients to feel like, you know, we care about how you look. We understand that your beauty goals are going to be different from the next person's beauty goals. And that's important to us, you know? So yes, that was completely on purpose. I want them to feel like they're getting a set specifically designed um, for them. Definitely. So when you were just starting out, I know you mentioned the makeup artist that you were working with kind of inspiring you. Did you have any other mentors when you were just starting lashing? Okay, so when I first started lashing, honestly, for about two years, I did not. And that was during a time that it was very different at that time. There weren't any blogs or there were, mm-hmm. but well, no, not really. There weren't any blogs <laughs> like with the, mm-hmm. the very first year that I started. And so I was just kind of doing hit and miss and would call the people that I trained with and try to get advice. But it it was rough the first two years. And I remember kind of going through some stuff and I I just decided to Google and I just started Mm -hmm. Googling like lash extensions and help with lash extensions and lash extension blog, you know, all these things and wake up in your makeup. I believe that's the, Mm -hmm. that was the blog that was out at that time. I came across Mm -hmm. that. And it wasn't technically active at the time, but it, but all the posts were still up. So I was able to go through and read everything. And it was like two or three years worth of information on that particular blog. And I got down to the very last post. And it was like <laughs> um, someone, someone made a post that said, oh, we're transferring over to like Facebook. And that was like, I think it's called Lashers Unite. One woman in particular is Rhea, Rhea Hotis. That's my mentor. She's been my mentor for... 2014 now. Wow. Wonderful lady. Uh, mm-hmm. I, she changed my whole life. <laughs> and so 
that's who I would say is my mentor who helped me. But that was about two to three years into my career already. Nice. She's actually supposed to be on the show too. So that I feel like that episode is going to be really good. Yeah. She's helped a lot of people. A lot of people say her as someone who inspired them. Yeah. She's incredibly smart and, and, and so willing to help Mm -hmm. and not just help you with like blanket statement, you know, like she is willing to get down to the nitty gritty with you. Like, you know, like, yeah, I, I so appreciate that. And I've, I've had a chance to meet her in person and go on a trip. And I mean, she is just wonderful through and through. So yeah, that was my, my early stage mentor. <laughs> what is some of the best advice you've received so far on your last journey? I think the best advice is probably to find your style and be okay with it. So, mm-hmm. and what I mean is that what I mean is that you have you have multiple styles in the lash industry, right? So you have like your streamlined look or your perfect line look. You have your mega tapered volume. You have your staggered. You have your Kim K. You have your ninety degree angle. Or you have your forty five degree angle. There's there's certain styles that certain artists are known for yeah and I used to feel like I had to fit into you know a particular look to be considered a good lash artist and that Mm -hmm. literally like drove me to being stressed out I mean stressed (laughs) you know because these particular looks that were supposed to be you know perfect or the standard of excellence that I quite honestly don't even like and wouldn't wear myself you know, and so mm-hmm. it was, I went through like this kind of back and forth with myself of like, but this is the look that I should like, you know, like I should like this and, and I can mm-hmm. appreciate it. I can definitely appreciate it and I can appreciate the difficulty in doing it, but I wouldn't wear it, you know, I, and I, right. I have no desire to wear certain looks. And so really knowing that it's okay for me not to like or want to do or want to wear that particular look whatever that look may be, I'm not talking about one look in particular, I'm just saying, you know, whatever sure, it sure, is, yeah. you know, that is okay. And it's okay for everyone else. So that was mm-hmm. like the best advice I got was to find your style and be okay with it and, and rock it. And mm-hmm. you have a whole entire clientele, you know, that wants you for your look, you know, mm-hmm. like for instance, is, example in Atlanta, I believe there's 3 million women in Atlanta. I can't service all 3 million of Atlanta, you know, so, but there's going to be a good couple of hundred that would want my look and I'm fine with that, you know? Yeah. So um, that advice was very important to me. So do you feel like you've been able to kind of pay it forward? Like how Rhea mentored you? Do you feel like you try to help new artists who ask for it? Absolutely. If anyone has been on my Instagram, they know that if you ask me a question, I will answer the question like completely and thoroughly. Mm -hmm. If, you know, I try to do like little, what do they call like, you know, IG videos and share tips and tricks or whatever it is I come across that I think would be helpful. I also do train here in Georgia. And so I believe that's a way of paying it forward. But Mm -hmm. I'm that I also have employees, you know, I have a team of girls and I want them to be better. You know, like I spend so much time investing in them and their clientele and their education. Mm-hmm. I want them to be fabulous and them to be great and confident in their skill. And so, yeah, I have, I, I enjoy paying it for. I enjoy taking part in the different blogs and different uh, forums and IG. So, yeah, if you have questions, feel free to ask. Yeah. I, I feel like I can dive into like so many different directions with this, but first I want to. <laughs> 
talk about you. You made a video on Instagram that I saw, and it was it was about you turning a negative into a positive when you had a no show. Why did you think it was important to make that video and I guess share it with everyone? Well, you know, I think sometimes with being a service provider, you can get into a negative space when negative things happen. You know, you can kind of dwell in it. So if a client has a, you know, critique, you know, you tend to dwell on that for two or three days. Or if a client no-shows, you may have needed, you know, those funds. And so it puts you in a negative space or, you know, just what what have you. For me, I think it's, it's important that we don't dwell. Like I remember seeing mm-hmm. this meme or something that was like, you know, it said, um, did you have a bad day or did you have a bad five minutes? And I try to remember right. that all the time. Like anytime I get into a negative, you know, space or something bad happens. I'm like, okay, this is just a bad five minutes. It's not, it's not a bad day, you know? Mm-hmm. So if a client no shows or cancels last minute, I have the time. I really do have stuff I need to do, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's like, okay, that's an hour that I wasn't expecting, you know, that I would get. How can I be, you know, use this time in a useful manner, you know, in, a, in, a, in some way that benefits me or the business or my girls, you know, um, how can I use this time? And I feel like sometimes we mm-hmm. don't really, we don't, think of it, you know, from that perspective. Now, granted, I do absolutely have a cancellation policy and I do require Mm -hmm. full payment if someone no shows or cancels. So maybe that's why I'm I'm not so mad about it. Yeah. (laughs) But but, yeah, I think it's really important to, to kind of ask yourself, am I having a bad five minutes or am I having a bad day? And then, you know, Mm -hmm. work around that. So with your cancellation policy, is it a black and white policy or do you kind of work with people or let like the first one slide or how do you handle that? Especially now that you have employees, some of those clients don't know you personally. So I'm just thinking of like how we handle stuff at Pink Lady and I just kind of want to know what you guys do over there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I'm probably a meanie pants, (laughs) (laughs) but I do, I'm very strict. I'm very strict. Mm-hmm. Part of that is that we're the lash designery. We run on time all the time. I'm never late. My girls are never late. And so we are prepared and ready for you when you walk in the door. I have a waiting room yeah. that quite literally never gets used because our clients never wait. And so uh, like they're used to walking in and we are ready for them at the, you know, at the desk and we walk them back to the treatment room. So wow. We, we're ready for you. And if you decide mm-hmm. no show, there's no way I can, you know, fill that spot up. We have, the, you know, the rest of the day is filled. And that's not mm-hmm. fair, you know, to my employees. It's not fair to the salon. It's not fair to other clients that would have showed up for that spot, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I make it very clear when the client is booking that we have, you know, a, a what I call a fair cancellation policy, which means this goes for new clients return clients, loyal old clients, you know, it's, it's for everyone. And um, mm-hmm. unless someone has a documented emergency, we do require payment. So a documented emergency would be like hospital or of course, you know, like any, if anyone passed, you know, death or anything, I, I definitely wouldn't charge you for that. I actually had a client who her car literally exploded on the highway, like legit <laughs> on the highway. And it was on the news and she was on her way to me. Like I, I didn't charge her. I mean, her car caught yeah. on fire on the highway. So, right. you know, I, I didn't charge her, you know, so there's some instances where I'm like, that was out of your hands. I totally understand. I'll see you next time, you know, but if it's just kind of like, oh, my babysitter fell through. Well, I'm sorry, but we're going to require 
we're going to require payment for today. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you get a lot of pushback from some clients that way? Honestly, no. And I will say this is, I think, because of how booked we are, they do truly understand that if they don't get in with us on their scheduled appointment, they won't get in for another two weeks, two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. So they know, you know, like without a doubt that they need to be here at their scheduled time or they're going to have to start all over again and get into a whole new, you know, rotation, you know, two, three, three, four weeks later, you know, so um, I really don't get pushed back. Matter of fact, they'll call and say, I can't make it. I already know. Just go ahead and charge my card. You know, they'll say that because they, they already (sighs) know. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and we, we do say at the beginning of our appointment. So one of my old clients, Jenny, she is a makeup artist for film, I guess. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I sent her to you, I believe. And I remember there was a time where she, I think she came back in town because she doesn't live in Atlanta. She lives in Austin, but she comes back to see me when she came back to Austin. She was like, yeah, there was a time where I missed my appointment due to whatever it was. And she was like, and then I couldn't get in for a while. And I was like, dang, they're super booked over there. Good for them. Like, that's that's <laughs> awesome. But I didn't know if you knew that I sent her or not. But yes. she's super sweet. And yeah, you're right about the film industry over there. She was telling me how huge it is, but that it's like just super hot and everything. Yes. It, the business is, uh, the film industry is booming here mm-hmm. and it has, it's changed the way that we kind of, I don't want to say it's changed how we do lashes, but it's definitely the, the requests that we get have changed. Uh, yeah. It's a lot of uh, young ladies that have come from like LA, you know, and they live here now, yeah. um, whether it's producers or like Jenny, well, Jenny's not from LA, but you know, Jenny, she kind of wants a more full, you know, glam look. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like walking that line of, oh, we kind of, you know, some people want a little bit more glam. I'm having to, you know, kind of start to learn to master that a little bit in a way that's like healthy, you know, for their lashes. You know, it, it's, it's different here for sure. But yes, thank you so much for Jenny. Jenny is fabulous and has been um, a very yeah. wonderful addition to our clientele. Yeah. So with the heat, do you guys have, so just to, I, I feel like everyone always asks yeah. what their favorite <laughs> adhesive is and over there in Georgia, what adhesive is your favorite over there? Okay. So at this time, because quite honestly, it changes year to year based on who comes out with what and what I've learned, you know? <laughs> so right at this moment, I have two that I go back and forth between. I love Sky S Plus. So mm-hmm. just regular Sky. And honestly, I get it. what is it from? Rhea actually told me this. She was like, I get it from a reputable supplier on Amazon. And I want to say Stacy is the company, but it's a reputable company. It's not old product. It is very fresh product. I have been using it for six months now and have not had a single complaint. So, oh wow. Yeah. It's, it's shocking. So I, so, because usually, you know, everyone likes to say, oh, Amazon's horrible, <laughs> you know. Yes. Um, everything mm-hmm. on Amazon's bad, you know, but that's not true. And then, so yes, I get my Sky S Plus from, I believe it's called Stacy Lash or something like that on, on Amazon. And then also uh, Clear Low Humidity um, Adhesive by London Brow. That has been a uh, staple. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. That has been a wonderful staple of mine. And I've been using that adhesive for probably four years now, three, I'm not sure, yeah. whenever she first came out, <laughs> I think I started ordering from her and I've been using it ever since. 
I used that for the longest time, and now I, I just use a lot of lash affair adhesive, but I loved London Brows so much. So yeah, I, I can agree with you on that one. What are some of your favorite products in your lash arsenal? Okay, so my favorite product. I really love uh, the Lash Collection Silk line of volume lashes. Oh my God. Like I love them. I love them. They stand beautifully. The shape is always consistent. The lengths are always consistent. The consistency is unmatched. I I just love. So that's like those are my favorite lashes. Mm -hmm. As far as product, probably Next Care Blue Tape. Okay. Yeah. I love that. that The Low Trauma Next Care uh, Tape. I live mm-hmm. for that. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's fabulous. I do use an eye cream under it because, you know, it can be a little tacky, you know. Mm-hmm. So I use the eye cream under that. But I tend to go with that over iPads simply because once it's, ta- once it's down, it's down. It's not moving. I don't have to worry about it. I don't ever have stickies in my set, like ever, as far as, you know, like the top being stuck to the bottom because no lashes are sliding out from under that tape. I mean, it is perfection so and I don't use a lot of tape you won't ever see my pictures having like tape all over the place you know it's it's a very small like one inch strip and done like I love it (laughs) so I don't think I could last without it at this point (laughs) the um eye cream under the tape what is that so is it oil free do you have the brand okay so actually something that I'm working on so it's not out yet but it is oil-free and it's firming around the eye area as well as moisturizing. So we put that down on, um, on the skin and then we apply our uh, Next Care Blue Tape on top of that. The tape comes off very smoothly and it leaves the skin kind of nice, firm, and plump. So that's it. Um, but I'll okay. be uh, sharing more information on that um, in a couple of months. Nice. I'm excited for that because I think we would love to try that because we use iPads. Something that we have to incorporate in our sets is checking for bottom to t- stop. Whoa. <laughs> checking for <laughs> bottom to top stickies every time we drop a new dot of adhesive. I just tell the girls like it's a good time to just make sure nothing is popped up or anything, which is kind of inconvenient. So I like the idea of the tape thing. It's also probably a lot cheaper than iPads. Um, so yeah. Oh, it's way more affordable. Yeah. It's definitely way more affordable and it saves time, you know, because you don't have to kind of do and stop that chat. And at the end of the service, of course, I still always do like a quick, like, let me like lift the lid a little bit, make sure nothing's stuck. Right. But I can tell you that I have not had anything stuck in, it's been a, quite a long time. I mean, years, you know, since I've been using That's that awesome. spare tape. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for that. And um, I also find that ladies with lash extensions, we tend to not wear eye cream because we're terrified of what it's going to do to our lashes. But at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, you don't want to avoid that area. That area needs moisture. That area, you know, needs tending to the under yeah. eye and like, you know, the side of the eye um, where you tend to have the thigh lines and crow's, crow's feet. And so yeah. um, I'm starting to get a lot more clients. It's like, what do I use? What do I use? What can I use? You know, I want to use something, you know, but I don't want to mess up my lashes. And so, yeah, I sure. think this is going to be great for our industry. I agree. I cannot wait. Um, let's see. So tell me about your salon, your, 
how many staff members do you have and how big is your space? Okay. Um, so our salon is located in um, Buckhead, Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. My space is about two two thousand. 700 square feet, so 2,700 square wow. feet. That's big. Yes, it's, it's pretty big. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I wasn't necessarily going for that big when I first looked at a place, but this the way it's kind of broken up, it, it makes sense. So it, mm-hmm. it's nice. And as of right now, I, it's myself and four staff members, mm-hmm. four lash artists. We're all licensed. So it's three estheticians and one cosmetologist. And we all love lashes. I mean, we were like obsessed. It's, it's crazy, like each of us. Yeah. <laughs> so I trained my first staff member. We have Robin, and she's been with me for two years. And I trained her uh, pretty much from scratch. And uh, she had never done lashes before. She was already licensed, but she wants to get into lashes. So I have her. I also have Julie, who um, I also trained from scratch. And she's been with me for about six months now and is killing it. I mean, it's just fantastic i i can't believe the growth that i had seen in just three months when she was with me at three months it was fantastic and so um she's with me and um and then i have two other young ladies akira and um, nandi and so we are in their wonderful kira has many years of experience and has done just she's um, helping me with my volume clientele now because i'm starting to step away from lashing and kind of go right into running the business Mm-hmm. And then Nandi is brand new as well. That's actually my sister. She'll be coming to work with me very, very soon. And so that's, awesome. that's the salon. We're open six days a week. And we focus pretty much only on lashes. I am introducing skincare into the salon. So um, mm-hmm. we, we just purchased something called the Perk Facial um, System, which is mm-hmm. a sister to the Hydra Facial System. And so we're kind of adding that into our services. And it's a 15-minute treatment. So it's super fast, but very effective. Um, and so our clients don't even have to move like they're in their spot getting their lashes and then they can get the treatment and get right up and going about their day. So that's been a wonderful add on. I would highly suggest it. <laughs> that's awesome. But that's pretty much it. We just do lashes with it every day. So when you are looking for a new team member, what are you hiring based off of? Personality over everything else. I really mm-hmm. feel like you can, I can teach you how to do lashes. I can't teach you how to be a good person or how to have yes, integrity. Yeah. Yes. Like, I, I can't teach you that. I can't teach you how to have integrity. I can't teach you how to be honest. I can't, I can't teach you, you know, how to just smile, like smile when you come in the building, you know, smile when you see right. quiet. You know, I, I don't really feel like as adults, I should, I should really have to say, you know, that I expect a positive demeanor when you come into the facility, like those type of things. I, I don't, I don't feel like it's my job to teach, you know, mm-hmm. and nor do we have the time to teach it, to be honest, you know, like I, yeah. personality is above all, you know, and then I can teach you how to, how to slay the lashes now. Like I can, yeah. I can teach you that, <laughs> you know, but I, but I can, I can't teach you how to be honest and have integrity. So that, mm-hmm. that to me is number one. So would you say that when you guys started, your team started growing, did it kind of help your reputation within your community or did you kind of already have that reputation built up on your own or, or how was that? So um, as far as like my, my lash reputation, like as far as with clients, I ended up hiring because I, I, was, I got to the point where I was turning away so many clients on a daily basis that I was leaving 
thousands of dollars on the table. I mean, Mm -hmm. thousands of dollars on the table. And so my reputation with clients was pretty well at that time. Like I was getting word of mouth referrals and and my website was doing well. My Yelp, you know, had great uh, referrals and I mean, reviews. Um, My Google had good reviews. So that was, that was fine. But when I started to hire and develop, you know, team members and actually get to the point where their books were full, I think I got respect from my last professional community. And yeah, respect from my last professional community. Like, you know, just Mm -hmm. seeing that, that I really did want to help other people that I'm not in it just for myself or just trying to, you know, I don't know, milk the industry. I'm I'm not sure what the thought, you know, could have been, but um, I did have a lot of other well-known, like, you know, lash artists and lash trainers, like reach out to me and just say, you know, that, you know, they were proud or, you know, congratulations or, you know, that, you know, I was doing a good job. And so, you know, that was, that was nice to kind of receive that after, you know, all your years of work, you know? Yeah, sure. That was, that was very nice. And I will say that there's another young lady here in um, in Atlanta. Her name is Sarah Pennington and she owns um, Flawless Lashes. And she has been a, we're, we're not even a mile away from each other. I mean, we're two blocks away from each other and we both have um, very successful booming lash salons. And she has been a wonderful help and mentor to me as well. And um, never been a, you know, like a hater or anything like that. I hate that word, but, but like she's yeah. never been that. And so, yeah, I think there's, it's a lot of respect in the lash community once you kind of start to grow, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. So with that neighbor of yours, do you ever get some of her clients or does she ever get some of y'all's that, you know how there's sometimes a client that will come in mm-hmm. and maybe not like what y'all did specifically and then wants to try somewhere else. Does that ever happen to you guys? So I have definitely sent clients to Sarah and her salon multiple times. Like if I, Especially when I didn't have four uh, team members. It was just like myself and Robin and we just could not fit, you know, um, the, um, mm-hmm. some of the overflow. I would send them uh, to Sarah definitely, like with no problem. I know the quality of their work there. I know their integrity there. I mean, just no problem. I've sent work to her multiple times. Sure. I know I have had, I believe she had a team member like go on maternity leave or something like that. And so some of her clients did come to me during that time as well. So yeah, like there's, we, we definitely swap and share all the time. <laughs> the reason I ask is because there was an artist that worked near our salon Mm-hmm. And there was a client and her sister that came from her salon to ours. And when she emailed me the first time, she said that she had been going to this other salon and was not happy. And because I was friends with this girl, I was able to talk to the client and say, hey, well, did you talk to her about this? Did you tell her you were unhappy? And instead of being like, oh, sure, yeah, come on in. Like, we'll fix you up. Like, Right, right. You know, you may actually have the same problem with me if you're if you're not liking her work. So exactly. I think it's so important to have friends in your city that do similar work or have the same, I guess, lash morals as you do, because things like that happen sometimes here in Austin where a client will come in and they'll start talking so bad about their previous artist. And, you know, you can't always just assume that client is being truthful because they could be, you know, lathering their extensions in oils or mascara or whatever it is. And so, so that's why I I asked that. Absolutely. 
Oh, no, I yeah. totally understand. And at this point, I haven't, I can honestly say I've never had a client come to us from them, like, with, about being unhappy. It's usually like an availability yeah. thing, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, someone's out of town or, you know, something of that nature. Sure. But as far as, like, clients talking negatively, that's one thing I do not allow in our salon. We mm-hmm. won't do that. We're not, we're not going to go back and forth and, and, you know, and hey, girl, hey, about, <laughs> you know, Yep. About another lash artist. We won't be doing that. You know, if you come here, that's your decision and that's fine. You know, but as far as putting someone else down, no, I, I don't, I don't believe in yep. doing that in my personal life. I definitely not going to do that in my, you know, in my uh, professional life. And um, here's the thing. We all start somewhere too. I know my very mm-hmm. first set, like my whole, that, that year or two <laughs> in the beginning was probably garbage. And it probably would have destroyed my confidence had I known, you know, someone is sitting there just, oh, she's horrible. She's this. She's, you know, what is she doing? Why is she doing it? She's probably not licensed. And, you know, just the foolishness that you hear, it would have destroyed Mm -hmm. me. And so I never want to do that to anyone else. Right. And I think it might be the clients thinking we want to hear that or thinking it's going to make us feel better. But we do the same. When we get that type of talk in the salon, we we take the high road as well. So yeah. And just change, um, we just yeah. change the topic. You know, I, I usually yeah. just say, you know, well, everyone has to start somewhere, you know, or, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, it could have been an off day, but no worries. Go ahead, lay back and relax. You know, I try to cut it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> right. Of course. So talk to me about your training classes. What can an artist expect to get out of a class with you? In one of my trainings, I believe students can expect honesty. I'm not one of those trainers that will say, you know, hey, come take my two-day class and you will learn every single thing there is to know about the lash industry in two days. No, I don't, you know, I don't say that at all. Usually what I'll say is that, you know, for one, this is best that you have a license because it is required in pretty much every state, you know, so we want to start there, Mm -hmm. you know. And then two, I'm going to teach you pretty much your basics to get you started in your journey as a lash artist. So that right. when you leave here, you are confident in knowing that you, you know, that you know your adhesive, that you know mm-hmm. the types of lashes that are out there, that you know how to hold your tweezers and that you know what I- isolation above everything, like you know what that means. If we have to just isolate for five hours, that's what we'll do. <laughs> you know, like, well, yeah. I will make sure that you understand that. And what, um, and what correct placement looks like, what it should look like, so that when you go home, you're actually able to self-correct. Because I think a lot of times what happens is that we throw so much information at them, you know, at students. And then when they get home and they do with that, you know, they'll post a picture and say, oh, my God, these are beautiful. But no, mm-hmm. they, they're really not. They look really, really bad, you know, and they don't have a clue right. as to why it, why it looks bad you know, um, mm-hmm. or that it even looks bad to begin with, you know? And so knowing how to self-correct, because even if I don't know the technique to self-correct, I can look at something and say, okay, something's off here. You know, like I, right. I need to, I need to work on this particular area and students need to be able to know how to do that within themselves, you know? So exactly isolation, you know, proper hand placement, making sure that your client is always comfortable checking, rechecking and checking your work again, you know, things of that mm-hmm. nature is what you will, you will, you will really learn the honest truth behind, behind what a day-to-day uh, experience looks like in the lash industry. Nice. 
So what has been your most rewarding moment with a student or just in your LASH career in general? So this moment sticks out to me because it's something I've thought about on and off, I mean, for the last three years. It was a student I had about three years ago, and she was a single mom. She had just had a baby, and she didn't really have a major support system. And so she traveled to me about three hours, like I think she lived about three hours away. And, you know, she kind of expressed, she was like, I need this to work. You know, this isn't, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like she, she, she loved makeup. She loved beauty. She was already licensed, you know, all those other things. But yeah, she was like, I, I need this to work. I need to be self-sufficient. You know, I want to be able to take care of my child and, you know, myself and, and I need this to work. And so we went through the training and she was laser focused, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. she was laser, laser focused. She asked tons of questions. She was completely involved, you know, in the training and did a fantastic job, honestly. Like she really caught on, <laughs> you know, and yeah. um, she went home and she would send me pictures. Like she would, she would work, you know, do a, a practice model and send me pictures and say, okay, so, you know, at this spot, what could I have done differently? Or, you know, how could I have made this easier? Or, you know, just whatever the question may have been. And sure. within a year, she was fully self-sufficient, like living on her oh own, gosh. like, you know, with her own place, with her child, with her own, you know, business, like her, like, uh, like studio, uh, salon studio type, type style mm-hmm. um, business. And I mean, I just, it made me so happy to see another young woman be able to change her whole life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, that's a big deal. It is a really big deal, you know? And so, and, and even with having employees myself, that has always been my number one goal is that I would like to, to help other women be self-sufficient financially, you know? Yeah. In general, it, it, I don't want to say women as a whole, but you know, women, we tend to, sometimes get ourselves in situations where they're not the best relationship wise, but you know, but you may stay because of the financial help that you're getting. I mm-hmm. love to see women that, you know, you, you can take care of yourself, which means you tend to not usually deal with bull, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I like to see other women be in positions where they can take care of themselves. And that, that student that I had, I loved the fact that she can, take care of herself, be in a safe environment, have a safe environment for her child and, and operate her business in the way that she sees fit. Like that was wonderful for me. That was a big yeah, moment. That's beautiful. I love that. So taking it on the opposite end, do you have a, I call it a favorite failure of yours, something that worked out in the end, but didn't seem like it was going to? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So for my favorite failure, it's, it wasn't necessarily something that like I attempted and failed at. It actually just came with just a life issue that kind of happened and almost threw us off track. And pretty much this was 2012, a year into my marriage, my husband, he got sick. And so we were kind of left with a serious amount of medical bills and just a, a not good situation. And so um, during that time, um, I moved in with my parents. Now, at that same time, we, I had just started my last business, like literally just, I, I, left my, I left my job. I left interning for that makeup artist. Like, I mean, I was all the way in to just starting my last business. And then this kind of happened. 
And so we really didn't have a lot of money. We had to live with my parents. My husband was still sick. It wasn't like he was better at the time. He was still sick. So it was just a lot going on. And it kind of got me down, of course, because it's like, how can I help? You know, how can I turn this situation around? How can I help my husband turn around? It was just a lot, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and, and at that time, it forced me to completely focus on lashes. I mean, I had no other option. I had to, you know. And yeah. so it was like, this has to work. It, it, it wasn't an option about whether or not it could work. It had to work. And so, I mean, I would practice on everyone I could. I, just anyone. <laughs> family members, friends, the girl walking down the street, the girl at the gas station, whoever would let me get their hands on them so that I could, you know, get better faster. That's what I did. And so, and that would be working at 12 o'clock at night, one o'clock in the morning, you know, 4 a.m. If a client, you know, wanted to come get their lashes done at 6 a.m. before they went to work, that's what I did. You know, it was, it was really like a tough it out, grind out moment. But what I realized is that it helped me to have endurance. Mm-hmm. So during that time, my endurance probably wasn't really that great, you know, if before that happened. But now, and when I say endurance, I don't mean like just being up all day. That's that's not what I mean. I'm talking about emotional endurance, like being yeah. able to, you know, when when stuff hits the fan, you know, what you're going to do, you know, mm-hmm. so um, that type of tough mental endurance that you you really do need to be a business owner and to deal with the multiple personalities that you will deal with. And um, during that time, because I had no other option but to <laughs> do it, you know, and to, and to yeah. figure it out and figure out how I could be the best customer service person, you know, even when worried about my husband's life, you know, like those type of things. Right. That time of my life, it sucked, but it totally made my business what it is today. Hold it. I mean, wow. I'm so incredibly thankful for that. And my husband's all well and fine. So, you know, that that's great. He's, he's wonderful and doing so well and healthy. And he's a fabulous husband. And But during that time, I really had to, you know, kind of buckle down. And I'm very thankful for that, that time in my life. That's awesome. It kind of just taught you, like, what you were capable of doing, even when you were pushed to the absolute limits, I'm sure. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's hop into some juicy topics. Yeah. Do you have a, like, a controversial topic or something that is just like a hot topic right now that you would personally like to speak on today? Okay. So, ooh, it's juicy. But okay. (laughs) So... I'm almost nervous. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so I think there's like two. For one, I really do feel like, or have witnessed—not even just feel this, but have witnessed—a lack of diversity in some of our lash campaigns. Okay, so okay. Mm-hmm. when when I say that, I mean you know, like our ads and the things that we post on Instagram and. Some of the major brands, you can kind of go through their whole Instagram feed going back three or four years and not see any brown complexions. And mm-hmm. that was in, in, in this almost, you know, we, 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 I would like to see more diversity, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. not saying, and I'm definitely not saying it's done on purpose because it may not be done on purpose, you know, to just be what it, you know, what it is. But I would like to see brands be a little more, you know, conscious of of the decisions that they're making to include diversity in what they depict as beautiful you know as a beautiful 
you know, eye or, um, or just the complexion or whatever on their feet. I, w- I would love to see more of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I do feel like that's kind of still lacking in some of the major brands. Exactly. Like it's basically just like excluding like a whole segment of people. Yeah. And okay. yeah, it'd yeah. be nice for everyone to get to see like what it would look like on them. And I agree with you. Yes. And it's, it's kind of this idea, especially before volume became popping but it was kind of this idea that like lashes don't pop on darker complexions you know but Mm -hmm. that's actually not true when you do certain uh techniques you know and so um it really comes down to like you know like education you know uh, styling Mm -hmm. for different complexions or even having product that kind of pop more like i i realized that things that that lashes that have a little more gloss to them pop more Mm -hmm. against a more chocolate complexion you know um Mm -hmm. and so like learning those things and being purposeful in doing them you know I I think that could be very helpful because I can tell you like we're in Atlanta it's a very diverse multicultural area you know you know pretty much everyone can afford lashes they really can and so Mm -hmm. my clientele looks like a rainbow on every day (laughs) you know yeah so um marketing too and uh to different ethnicities and things I think it's important then if you could really be honestly missing out on on a, on a complete different demographic of people you know by not doing so and it I, yeah that's I guess that's my controversial topic <laughs> yeah so that's actually something I wanted to I guess address on our social media personally and I don't know if you saw the most recent pink lady post by the time this airs it's probably going to be way down there but I don't know if you saw the picture of we had four models right next to each other. Yes, I did. It was beautiful. Yeah, I I loved it. And I don't know if you saw the comments, but everyone like died over it. Like everyone Mm -hmm. wants to see that. So I really think more people should do it. Yes, I think it's I think I loved that picture. Like I guess I I liked it because it came out yesterday, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know the people listening are like, "When is yesterday?" But um, like, yeah, when it came, I was just like, "That's stunning," you know. And it's a more accurate depiction on of what your day would look like, you know, depending on where you live. But right. that, that's usually what you will see. And so, you know, I think I think that's necessary and very useful. Yeah, definitely. You said you had two topics. What was the other one? Okay, so oh god, <laughs> I don't know why I'm nervous. <laughs> My other controversial topic is that pre-made fans will probably take over our industry. And I know no one wants to hear it. And I know, and I'm I'm not downing handmade fans because that's all we do at our salon. We only do handmade fans as of right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But that's all we do. We master that. That's, you know, that's what we do. But I'm not going to be shocked when good quality, symmetrical, um, like slim based pre-made fans yeah. come out when, when that comes out. Cause it's not out yet. Cause I, I don't really like what's out right now um, at all, but when it comes out, that's going to drastically change our industry. It's just, it's first off, anytime there is something that is convenient and cost effective, it changes the industry. So it would be, I think pre-made fans will be like the Amazon to Walmart. That's what it's going to be. It's going to change the industry completely. And I think that, you know, we have some people that are kind of delusional 
on mm-hmm. or on that fact. It's 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 going to happen, you know, and so it's going to be better quality. It's going to be cheaper pricing to purchase because right now they're kind of expensive, but that's because they're mm-hmm. being able to be mass produced at the same rate, you know, whatever. So right. that's cheaper pricing, slimmer basis, symmetrical facing, you know, between the hairs of the sand. It's coming. And when it mm-hmm. does, I think we need to be prepared for how it's going to change our industry because it will. Yeah, you know, whenever you're talking about that, my first instinct is like to cringe almost or just yeah. to be like, eh, I don't know. But I can see what you're saying and I could actually see that being true. Um, I don't know when, but I think oh, that yeah. it's becoming closer and closer because they used to be horrible. Like it used to be like these chunky bases, but there was somebody that they're going in the right direction where – the bases were apparently like sealed thermally with heat or something, but there was still right. like a clear like film or something on there. So it still kind of was the same effect of like the chunkiness. So right. I want to say like Lana from Lux Uncut did a video on like reviewing it because she bought some. But anyway, it's moving in the right direction. Like I think people have the right idea. So it is coming. I agree. I'm still sure people are going to make handmade ones, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. I think that people are going to make handmade ones for, you know, a a good long while. Um, And I'm not saying that this will change like tomorrow, you know, like that. I think we got right. I think we got about two to three years before we see a significant improvement. Um, But I think it's kind of like anything like uh, I listened to it with Gary V a lot. And he was kind of saying, you know, a couple of years ago, you would have never thought about putting your kid in an Uber, you know, I mean, you know, in, in a car with some random stranger and, and, dro- and letting them drop them off at, you know, basketball practice. Well, people are doing right. that all the time now because it's convenient, right. you know, it's convenient. Or the fact that, you know, I'm sure a lot of restaurants didn't think that Uber Eats were going to cut into their profit the way that they, they have, but they are, yeah. you know, it's so many businesses that have helped with convenience. You know, and because we're human, we want things to be easy, fast, and convenient. That is just human nature, you know. You know what? I'm thinking about this. And so volume sets are booked out for longer because they take longer, right? Right. But I'm sure the product for these pre-made fans, like when they're really good, are going to be obviously more than the classic. So you can still right. charge more than classic, but probably oh, get it done in the same amount of time. So yeah. I want to say a lot of people might actually like that. If it was done just as well as you can make a handmade made fan, why would it's it's that whole idea of working smarter, not harder. Like, why wouldn't you do that? It it makes so much sense. But the price point is going to have to be right. And obviously the quality. So, huh, I'm excited for that. Oh, absolutely. I think once the price point is where it, you know, where it's cost effective for the lash artist and you can still, because it's still, I mean, you you still have to place it on, you know, so yeah, you can keep the price, you know, still higher or whatever, but do it in less amount of time. Yeah. First off, clients, for the most part, outside, I can't honestly say that my clients enjoy laying down for three hours for a full set. Like they will, you know, and they usually go to right. sleep, but they kind of wake up at like the two hour mark. And now they're kind of antsy for that last hour, you know, or, right. you know, or they're talking more and you're like, be quiet, <laughs> you know, like, I'm trying mm-hmm. to focus, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to happen. And as a matter of fact, not, I think, Oh, and it's very similar to the crystallite. Was it crystallization method of pre-making yeah. your fans? Like mm-hmm. at right now, you can pre-make your fan and crystallize the tip. 
and put that to the yeah. side. What's the difference? Yeah. There is no difference, yep. actually. Once the quality, yep. you know, gets to where it needs to be, it will be no different mm-hmm. from pre-making your fan, crystallizing the tip, and placing them to the side for your set for the following day. No different. Right. So we'll see. We will. <laughs> so do you have any hobbies or passions outside of lashing? Well, hmm. <laughs> I am a workaholic. So yeah. outside of lashing, my passion is business. I love business and I don't mean just lashing business. Like my husband is an entrepreneur as well. And so we just love business and coming up with different businesses and, and, and drawing out business plans for them and in researching markets for different types of businesses and and looking, reading business books and in business podcasts. And like, I love Tim Ferriss. Uh, he, He, Oh, me too. Oh my God. Is he amazing? He's my favorite. He's my favorite. Like, yes, that's where I, he lives in Austin now. And I'm like, I'm, I literally, I need to meet him, but he's, he's the person that I get my favorite failure question from. I love him. Yep. What's funny is when you asked that, I thought of him. I was like, oh yeah, like so there. Yeah. I mean, I I read his, he's fantastic. And I just read his, was it Tribe of Mentor? Like, yeah, it was wonderful. And so, um, but that's what I mean by like my, my passion is business. So I enjoy learning about different markets, which is why I'm mm-hmm. so, so like, I'm, I'm 100% sold on the fact that pre-made are going to take over the world. Pre-made things. Yeah. Just because of how much I've listened to other business things about convenience sure. and solving a problem and, and making things easier for a consumer and the provider. I, it's, sure. Yeah. So anyway, my passion is business. And um, as of right now, I, I just love all things business, but my passion as, a child. Um, I was a dancer from the age of two until I was 18 years old. And I was on track to do professional, like be a professional dancer. And I injured my knee at 18. What style? Ballet. I was a ballet dancer. Ballet, modern, jazz, point, the whole nine yards. So um, I would dance about four to six hours a day. I was a part of multiple dance um, institutions growing up. Um, I danced for the, at the Kennedy Center because I'm from Washington, D.C., so I danced there. Mm-hmm. Um, I danced at the Institute of Washington. And so, yeah, I was a dancer. Like, that was my passion, and I just knew I was going to be a dancer, <laughs> you know, That's awesome. So, that's, yeah, that's my other passion. I still enjoy taking classes and stuff like that. So you said you injured your knee when, when you were 18? Yeah, I injured uh, – I was 18 and I was actually in dance practice when I injured my knee and I tore my LCL, ACL. ACL. Yeah, ACL. Mm-hmm. And on my left knee and it was right around audition timing. So I wasn't seven, I wasn't 18, I was 17. Mm-hmm. And it's right around like audition time for colleges. And I was practicing at that time. <laughs> and yeah, that happened. It kind of threw a big wrench in my plan. So... <laughs> so- at that point, there was a shift in, I guess, where your life was headed. So is that when you decided to go to beauty school after high school or? Actually, I went to um, college afterwards. Okay. So yeah, I was like, okay, well, I got to do something because I was still going to physical therapy and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I was like, okay, while I'm doing that, I, I can't just sit at home, <laughs> you know? And so yeah. um I decided to go to college, and so I went to Art Institute of Atlanta. I moved from Washington, D.C. and went to Art Institute of Atlanta, and um, I studied film and video. And so something completely, totally different than last 
mm-hmm. like it totally different from lashes. And so, um, yeah, I studied film and video. But when it was time to kind of do like internships for like film and video, I realized I wasn't interested in working like 48 hour shifts. <laughs> I didn't like You're it. Right. You know? I was like, oh, this is not the life that I want. You know, I don't, I'm mm-hmm. not interested in being on set that long, you know. Right. And so that's when I, I, I transferred into the, the beauty industry, like managing day spas and working at different man, um, day spas. I transferred then. Okay. Interesting. I think I was like 19 when I worked in my first, or I was 20 when I worked in my first spa. Okay. So are you one of those people that likes a routine or do you kind of just wake up and figure it out as you go? Um, what does like a typical day look like for you? Okay, so a typical day for me, first off, no, I don't necessarily, I'm not naturally a routine person, you know, but I find value in having a routine. So I had to become disciplined and make a routine. (laughs) So I do have a routine. Every day I wake up at about uh, 6 a.m. and my husband and I will go to the gym. Um, We do that first thing in the morning. I I don't eat before I go to the gym. I just go straight to the gym. And so um, I go work out and we're there for about an hour to about hour and 20 minutes. Then I come home, shower and, and eat. And um, I'm at the salon by eight, about 8.30, 8.45. And I see my first client at 9 a.m. I Dang. work nine to 3 p.m. So I do six hours and I work straight through. Now that's recently, by the way, I used to work 10 hours a day, like 10 to 12 hours a day. And, and that was causing me stress and I gained weight and I... I was just not comfortable. I was missing out on family events. And I mean, it was horrible. I, I don't suggest that. I don't think that's healthy. <laughs> like it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was really bad. And so I had to shorten my day. So I work nine to three. I usually have like lunch or a late lunch with my husband around three thirty. And again, my husband's an entrepreneur as well. So he tends to work on like the afternoon hours sometimes. Mm-hmm. We'll have lunch at like three thirty so we can have our time because Sometimes we, we, might, we may not be able to have dinner together. And so right. um, we pretty much do that every day. And then by the time I'm home at about 4.30, I may do some admin stuff. So whether that's payroll or inventory or order products or advertising or whatever it needs to do, I usually do that between 4.30 and 6.30. And then I'm, I'm usually done. Like I'll do my, you know, things I need to do at home, you know, after 6.30. And I'm usually in bed by about 11 p.m. So wow. it's a very structured day. <laughs> yeah. And I find that, that it does work best for me, even though sometimes I don't like it because I don't, I don't really like structure. Like I don't, I don't like it, you know, but, <laughs> right. but, I, but I do it and I, and I get way more done and mm-hmm. I can tell that it's useful. When would you say you're most productive in your day or during your month? Um, I'm most productive with clients, I'm most productive in the morning. I do my best work in the morning. Like when I'm fresh mm-hmm. and the sun is shining, you know, and it's quiet and clients are still in a good mood because the day hasn't happened yet. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I do my best work in the morning and they're usually still kind of sleepy. So they go to sleep, you know, or they haven't had their coffee yet. So I'm, I'm most productive in the morning. Yeah. I, yeah. In the morning, in the afternoon, I'm, I'm winding down. It's starting to slip away. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I don't do too well in the afternoon. That's why with clients, I really need to be done by three. <laughs> I need to be done. Right. Yeah. Yep. So last question, what is your motto or any words that you live by? 
Okay. So my motto, I think, would be uh, grace yourself. And I say this often and I say it to myself. I say it to like my team members when they have a bad day or maybe a client, you know, gives them critiques that they didn't like or, you know, they just don't feel good about their work. I always tell them to grace themselves. And so often we kind of get in a place where we where we rush ourselves and our growth. Right. Like we, we mm-hmm. want to be the best, but we want to be the best within two months. You know, we want to be the best. Yeah, as quickly as possible, as fast as possible. We judge ourselves. We judge our talent. You know, we speak negatively about ourselves, yet we praise others. You know, we have no problem in saying, oh, my God, your work right. is beautiful. Oh, my God, your work is, you know, fantastic. It's flawless, which is no problem. You should definitely praise others. But grace yourself as well. You know, for example, mm-hmm. you know, have you ever had, you know, someone um, pay you a compliment, but the first, like, your first response is to critique yourself? You know, like they say, mm-hmm. oh, I love your work. You know, you, you know, they'll say, I, I'm sorry, they'll say, the you know, I love your work, but you'll respond and say, oh, but my inner corners aren't good. You know, like yeah. <laughs> all the time, you know, and it's like, yeah, stop doing that. You know, stop doing that. Just gracefully say, thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, because they they see something, they see it and they think it's beautiful, you know, but we always yeah. want to kind of down ourselves or down our appearance or down our work or, you know, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But I think my motto would be, would definitely be just grace yourself. Give, give yourself some, you know, some slack, cut yourself some slack. Like you're, if you're trying, if you're out here and you're trying your best and you're doing your best and you're investing what you can, you know, and you know that you have integrity and you're being honest, being the best will come, you know, it will come. Just keep going <laughs> and understand yeah. every day is not going to be a good day and you may have a bad five minutes. But it's okay, you know, it's all good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be it. it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Lash Boss Radio. You can find Morgan and her team at the Lash Designery on Instagram and Facebook. And I would love to know what you guys thought of this episode as always. So go ahead and tag Lash Boss Radio on Instagram and let us know if you were listening. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and join the Facebook group that I created for my listeners so that we can bounce ideas off of each other and just get some fun tips and tricks and of course support within our community. I will link it below in the show notes and I will see you guys back very soon with the next episode. 